So this is a special day. This is the first time that I've preached on a Sunday that Pastor Dave isn't here. There is no one to bail me out. And to top it all off, our topic today is the fear of failure. I mean, who plans this stuff? Now, Pastor Dave swears that he didn't plan it that way. But he told me that he thought this was a sermon that I really needed to preach because the fear of failure is something that I know so much about. And I'm not quite sure how I feel about that (laughs) head that tells us that we don't have what it takes, that something is way too hard or scary for us to even give it a try, to even take the risk. And when I thought of examples of this, I thought of something that happens in and around Desert Spring all the time. Whether it's in a Bible study or a committee meeting or before a meal, it's that time that comes when the group is asked if someone would like to lead us in a prayer. It's that, it's that awkward moment where everyone tries to not make eye contact with the person who asked the question. <laughs> I know we've all been there. Now, a couple of years ago, shortly after I declared myself as a candidate for ministry, I was at the Las Vegas rescue mission with our youth group. Now, the rescue mission serves the homeless uh, meals every day, and they do so with the help of volunteers. Once a month, our youth group goes to the rescue mission to help staff the evening meal service. On an average night, they serve over 500 meals. When you get there, they give you an apron, a hairnet, and a pair of rubber gloves. Now, I'm wearing all of these and kidding around with the kids, and I don't even hear the question get asked. All I hear is, Tim is going to be a pastor. He'll pray. I turn around, and the rescue mission volunteer coordinator shoves a microphone into my hand. Now, there are about 300 people standing in line waiting for me to pray so they can eat. And they are all looking at me. My mind goes blank. My mouth feels like somebody shoved a bag of cotton balls in it. So I closed my eyes, I bowed my head, and I tried to disappear. (laughs) It didn't work. (laughs) 30 seconds go by that are the longest of my life until the volunteer coordinator finally takes the microphone away from me and blesses the meal. I failed. I failed big, and I failed in a very public way. I mean, what kind of pastor can't even say a prayer? And why did I fail? I failed because I was worried about looking foolish or sounding stupid, and I psyched myself out, and my brain shut down. Now, praying in public is just one example. I'm sure that we could think of lots of other examples of things that we're afraid to do in front of other people. But failure can involve real consequences. Failure can damage our sense of self-worth. Failure can tear at the very fabric of our self-acceptance. Failure can cause deep wounds. We all know how critical our success-driven world can be. I am so disappointed in you. I can't believe that you did that. You really just don't have what it takes. And it's so easy for the words of others to become the words that we say to ourselves. And it's easy 
for the pain of past failures to cause us to not take the risk that we might fail again. But we all know that risk is a regular part of life. If you drove here this morning, you took a risk. Automobile accidents are the leading non-health-related cause of death in the United States. How is it that you were willing to risk your life to come to church this morning? Did you think the sermon was going to be that good? (laughs) How did you evaluate that risk? So we all have a way of evaluating risk, and we know that driving generally isn't that dangerous and that the rewards of driving greatly outweigh it. The fear of failure, though, isn't just about evaluating risk. The problem with the fear of failure comes is when we're no longer willing to take any risks at all. To overcome the fear of failure, we have to accept the fact that all of us are going to fail at times. All of us. It's how we learn and grow, by taking chances and making mistakes. Failure isn't always bad. We have to remember this. Now, I'm guessing that everyone in here can think of someone that they admire as a success, whether it be a business person or a sports hero or a politician, maybe not a politician. But what we admire about successful people is how they overcame failure, how they kept trying until they succeeded. And when we hear successful people talk about the things that they regret, what they most often say is that they regret the things that they didn't try, the chances that they didn't take. What keeps them up at night is wondering, wondering what could have been. Do you ever fear failure? Do you ever find yourself failing to take a risk because you're afraid of what might happen if you do? Do you have a a dream on your heart that you find yourself sitting in your office daydreaming about, only to think, I need just a little bit more money in my retirement account before I could ever take that kind of risk? If you're single, is there somebody that you would really love to ask out on a date but are afraid to do so in case they say no? Has the pain of a past failed relationship kept you from entering into another one, from trying again? Is there a college that you would really love to get into or a job that you would really like to apply for that you keep telling yourself that you don't have what it takes and you don't even try? Is there a ministry that God has placed on your heart that you haven't moved forward on? Have you ever felt a call to a new life, a new vocation, maybe even a call to ministry? Have you ever found yourself thinking what I thought? I'm way too old to learn something new. The time for that kind of change is past. Besides, I could never get into graduate school. How would I pay for it if I did? I'd have to leave my job. I could never preach. I can't even pray in public. I could never live the kind of life that a pastor is called to live. I don't have what it takes. I could never do that. But what if? 
What if this dream that I have on my heart could be? Could I really bear to live the rest of my life wondering what could have been? What what ifs come up for you this morning? How does our faith help us to deal with the fear of failure? And how does our faith help us to get up and try again after we have failed? Let us turn our attention now to the reading of Scripture. Scripture this morning comes from several sources. The first one from Exodus. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach Teach what you are to speak. But he said, O my Lord, please. From Joshua, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. From Matthew. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. And from John, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my heart and the meditation, words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One of the things that I love the most about the Bible is how honest its stories are. It's one of the things that never seems to stop giving me hope. But Moses said, oh, my Lord, please send somebody else. Isn't that great? (laughs) I mean, this is Moses. Moses, who would become the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. 
Moses, who would lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses, who would receive the Ten Commandments. Moses, who would speak to God face to face. Lord, please send somebody else. Who am I that I should go and talk to Pharaoh? What if he doesn't listen to me? What if he doesn't believe that you sent me? I have never been eloquent. I am slow of speech. Oh, my Lord, please send somebody else. Can you relate? Can you hear the fear of failure in Moses' words? Have you ever had a conversation like that with God? Only to have God respond, fear not, for I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. <clears throat> Over a hundred times <clears throat> in the Bible, God says to someone, fear not, for I will be with you. Before there was a nation of Israel for Moses to liberate from Egypt, there was Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 75 and Sarah was 65, and they were childless and settled into a very comfortable life. I want to read to you God's call of Abraham and Sarah. It's in the 12th chapter of Genesis. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's call on our lives always involves risk, but it also involves blessings. Blessings for you and blessings for those whom God wants to bless through you. When I left my job, it was the first step that I took to learn, living, to learn how to live a life that wasn't defined by fear. My world had just become way too small. I wasn't sure what it is that God wanted me to do, but I was determined to engage with whatever it is that God put in front of me. And the first thing that God put in front of me scared me to death. Lord, please send somebody else. Now, it wasn't to risk my life or to sell everything that I owned and to move away to some strange land. <clears throat> it was to work at an elementary youth camp up at Mount Potosi, our local camp. <clears throat> I was terrified. I didn't have kids. <clears throat> I had no experience at all with kids, but I said yes. And the thought of spending five days as a counselor responsible for 10 elementary age boys literally made me sick. <laughs> I drove up that mountain with a giant pit in my stomach and I was sure that I was not going to make it through the week. <clears throat> On the third day of camp, I was sitting at lunch with my group of boys and a teenage counselor who had grown up at camp and became a counselor when she was old enough, came up to my table and asked me if it was true that I had never worked with kids before. And I thought to myself, here it comes. I knew I couldn't do this. 
and I, I braced myself for some horrible criticism. And she told me, you're wonderful with them. She told me, you're a natural. She told me that they loved me. She told me that they told her that they loved me. I almost cried. I really didn't believe her. I sat there at that table with those didn't describe. I realized later that it was joy, that it was God's grace being lavishly poured out on me like the gravy on the mashed potatoes that we were having for lunch. Can you hear God's words? I will bless you. I will make you a blessing to others. I never would have known that I love working with kids if I hadn't taken the risk that I might fail as a camp counselor. The Bible also tells us that God is with us even when we fail. In the passage from Matthew, we have Jesus telling Peter that he is going to make that he is the rock on which Jesus is going to build his church. In the Gospel of Luke, on the night of Jesus' arrest, we find Peter declaring to Jesus that he is willing to go to prison and die with him. To which Jesus responds, Peter, before the sun comes up, you're going to deny that you even know me three times. Later that night, Jesus' eyes make contact with Peter's as the third denial is coming out of his mouth. And Peter remembers what Jesus says and goes out and weeps bitterly. If we're honest... One of the hardest parts of dealing with failure is what it reveals about us. It reveals our limitations, our weaknesses, our shortcomings. More than that, the fear of failure can reveal things about us that are contrary to the very essence of who it is that we believe ourselves to be. Peter was sure that he was willing to die for Jesus. Peter was a courageous man. But when the moment came, Peter's courage failed, and he denied Jesus to save his own life. Failure can reveal areas of our own faith where we still have room to grow. Now, the last chapter of the Gospel of John begins with Peter and the disciples sitting on a beach in the sea at the Sea of Tiberias. In the chapter before that... Peter and the disciples have all experienced the power of the resurrection. Jesus has appeared to them. Jesus has breathed the Holy Spirit on them and said, As the Father sent me, now I send you. The disciples had everything that they needed. Their mission was clear. They were to be Jesus' witnesses to the world. So why do we find them sitting on a beach at the beginning of the last chapter of John? I want to read the, uh, the beginning of that chapter to you. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night... They caught nothing. I love that passage. I don't know what to tell you. So the disciples are gathered around Peter. They're waiting 
for him to become the rock. They're waiting for him to lead, and they're willing to follow him if it's even if it's only to go fishing. And fishing is what they were doing when they first met Jesus and took the risk of following him. They left their nets behind and they became his disciples. Peter was stuck. The weight of Peter's failure was too much for him to bear. Peter had returned to the safety of his old life. Peter, do you love me? Jesus asked. Feed my sheep. God's call on Peter's life was still intact. He was faced with the same decision that we're faced with when we fail, whether we're going to try again. Peter, do you love me? Jesus asked. Feed my sheep. Jesus, I'm a failure. I can't feed your sheep. You know that I can't. Look how I failed. What if I fail you again? How can you love someone who denied you? How can you forgive me when I can't even forgive myself? Peter, do you love me? Jesus asked. Feed my sheep. Now we know that Peter grew beyond his failure. Peter was able to accept God's forgiveness and to forgive himself. Peter did feed the Lord's sheep. And Peter did go to prison and proclaiming himself as Jesus' disciple. God's grace is bigger than our biggest failures. We don't have to live lives defined by fear. God has a vision for each one of us. And God calls us to live into that future with all of its risks and with all of its blessings. And God is ready and able to redeem all of our failures along the way. So fear not, for God is with you. God will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Amen? Amen.